Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. I want to talk to you. The, the, the title that I've given the message today, um, and then just hang with me for a little bit. The title of the, the, the topic this morning, I want to talk to you. I'm calling it The High Five, okay? The, the High Five. In fact, when you're sitting next to somebody, I want you to give them a high five right now. Just give them a high five. I like that. Like that. When, when teams celebrate, a lot of times with a high five. I mean, you did it. Great job. One, two, three, four, five. Get a high five. These are five of the most important words you'll ever hear. Okay? The reason why I'm calling it the high five, because they're of high priority. They're of high impact. The, the high five. In fact, when I stand before God, did you know that each one of us one day will stand before God? That's kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? You know, when you consider one day, you and I will stand before God Almighty and we're going to hear him say something. I don't know if you've given a lot of thought to that day, but if you think about that day, how many of you know it changes what you do this day? Come on, talk to me. The high five. I want to hear God say five words. The sum total of my life, how I spend my time, uh, how I spend my resources, what I do in my relationships, my investment, my energy. Outside of these five words, there's very little that matter to me. But these are five of the most important words you'll ever hear in your life. Matthew 25, verse 21, the scripture says this. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Can I have a good amen? How many of you know the reward for good work is not a vacation, but it's more work? Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together! Exclamation point. I pray. That when I stand before God, when you stand before God, you will hear him say, and this, this is what Charles Spurgeon calls the verdict of grace. This is God's summary of my life. I pray that I hear these words, well done, good, faithful servant. Now, we often say this, history makers are note takers. How many of you believe that? I want you to write some words down. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, write down the word well. Everybody say well. Come on, say well. Come on, when you're in church, you got to say it like that. Well. Mm. See, well is all about excellence. All right? It's about how we do what we do. I'm not telling you what to do today, but I encourage you to do it well. Do it with excellence. Uh, and I'm not talking about materialism because how many of you know that excellence is not necessarily having the best, but it's doing the best with what you have? You see, excellence is a spirit. Excellence will influence what we say, what we do, how we experience life. I, I want to do everything with excellence because I'm reminded of who I'm doing it for. How many of you know that what we do is important, but who we do it for is even more important? Who are we doing this thing life for? 
Whatever assignment we've been given, we need to remember the who behind the what. Sometimes we get discouraged with the what and we forget the who. But if you remember, Lord, I'm doing it unto Jesus. Let me ask you this question. When God looked down on earth and he saw us in our sin, what did he do? He gave us something, didn't he? In fact, he gave us someone. He gave us Jesus. Would you agree with me that Jesus was heaven's best? Is there anything God could have done to improve on the gift of Jesus? There's nothing more he can say. There's nothing more he could do. There's nothing more he could give. He could not do anything to improve or add to the very best when he gave us Jesus. He gave us heaven's best. So let me ask you this. What is your response to a God who at every moment in history has given you nothing but his very best? Lord, I want to give my best to you. When it comes to my marriage, how many married people do we have? You know, in your marriage, you give your best. Why? Not for your spouse, but you're doing it unto Jesus. Come on, can I have a better amen? I know mean, sometimes there are difficult moments and seasons in a marriage and you don't always feel like giving your best. But when you realize, Lord, this is unto you. I'm giving my best. When I think about my children, I think about my family. I want to give my best because God gave me his best. When it comes to my career, my calling, my finances. I even thought about this this week. Even in suffering, if I suffer, I want to suffer well. I want to, even through difficulties, I want to give my very best and never lose sight of what this thing is all about. This is all about Jesus. I'm doing this unto the Lord. Can I tell you this? Excellence validates your testimony as a Christian. You know, if, if we say, hey, we're believers, the spirit of God lives inside of us. Heaven's best lives in here then when we live in excellence, it validates our testimony as followers of Christ. Not only does it validate our testimony as Christians, but I think it makes the gospel attractive. Y'all are quiet this morning. How many of you know God does not bless sloppiness, irresponsibility, laziness? Got some teenagers up in here saying, you talked to my mama, didn't you? You know, God is blessed when we give our best. Everything we do. I think that Christians ought to be the best employees. I really do. I think believers ought to be the best students. I'm not necessarily saying you'll be smarter than everybody else, but why? When you go to class, you've got the best attitude. You've come prepared. I'm giving my best. Why? Because I'm doing it unto Jesus. I think believers ought to be the best bosses, the best leaders, because we recognize not just what we're doing, but who we're doing it for. Are you with me? Let me break this down. Chick-fil-A. What is it that we love about Chick-fil-A? Come on, some of you think of waffle fries, Polynesian sauce. There's something about Chick-fil-A that just speaks of excellence, does it not? I drive up there, and man, listen, I'm going through the drive-thru, and the line may be wrapped around the building. It's okay. I know they're going to expedite the process. They're going to serve me, and it's going to be their pleasure. 
Don't you just feel important when you go through Chick-fil-A? There's some days I'm having some low self-esteem. I go through the drive-thru of Chick-fil-A and I think, you know what? I'm pretty all right. They like me here. What do we love about Chick-fil-A? Not that it's necessarily the best food in town, but man, the experience is amazing because it's done with excellence. Have you ever gone through a drive-thru and felt like you were irritating the people that were trying to serve you? Come on, can we be honest? Yeah, you just pull up and you just know somebody's in a bad mood. And you, you, you kind of, before you place an order, feel like you need to apologize. <laughs> I don't know you, but I'm sorry. If I ruined you, I'm just trying to get a biscuit. I'm just trying to give me a chicken strip, something. I just need a burger, you know, and it's, you know, it's just, just rude, you know. You, you've been waiting for two minutes, and the first thing you hear is, hold on. You don't want to change your order because you don't want anybody spitting your food. Come on, somebody, talk to me. Uh, just number two, please, with a Coke. How many of you know mediocrity will attract mediocrity, but a spirit of excellence draws excellence? And what God did for us through Jesus was the best. I'm telling you, the church ought to reflect the spirit of an excellent God. Everything God has ever done, he's done it with excellence. How many know when God does something, he does it right? We ought to make a commitment, the spirit in which we build relationships, we accomplish things, we pursue our day. It ought to speak something of excellence. I never want God to be up in heaven looking down at my life and just cringing. Like, oh, oh, Mike, oh, man, I, that is so not what I'm all about. How many of you know that if we're going to hear God speak these words over us, we're going to have to do what we do well? God will give us the grace to walk in excellence. In fact, I want you to consider, I was reading this the other day in Malachi chapter 1. Now, it's interesting how the Old Testament, there was a sacrificial system. How many of you are thankful for the New Testament? How many of you are glad that, that you don't have to sacrifice an animal every time you commit a sin? You know, that'd be pretty rough, wouldn't it? You'd have like neighborhood cats and dogs that would be missing, you know. Where'd little Fifi go? Sorry, it was a rough week. Yeah. <laughs> You'd run out of animals. You know, you couldn't sacrifice enough to keep keep up with our sin. Am I talking to anybody? I'm so thankful that I didn't have to sacrifice a goat or a calf or a sheep or a ram or a bull. But Jesus was the Lamb of God once and for all. He was slain before the foundations of the world as a sacrifice for our sin. I'm so thankful for that. But do you know the prescription in the Old Testament, if you sin, the priest had to offer an atonement for your sin, and they had to sacrifice an animal. And God required that sacrificial bull, lamb, goat, calf, whatever it was, God required that to be the best. You're going to bring that up in here for sacrifice? It's got to be the first of your flock and the best of your flock. But in Malachi, the priest, they weren't offering the best. Look at what it says in Malachi chapter 1, verse 8. God says this. It's like an indictment upon the priest. He said, when you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? Isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. How many of you know 
God deserves and demands our best. I pray. Now, I'm not doing everything perfectly. That's why I need Jesus. But whatever I put my hand to, I'm going to put my heart in. Let me say that again. Whatever I put my hand to, I'm going to put my heart in and I'm going to give it my best. One day we'll stand before God and I pray that I hear him say the first word out of his mouth. I want him to say, well, you did it well. Number two, write down the word done. Everybody say done. We're not just talking, but we're doing. We're not just starting, we're finishing. He's saying, well, done. I love it because the gospel is so much more than words. Yes, the gospel requires proclamation. Days like today, we are proclaiming things. But how many of you know that I will lack credibility if what I say doesn't match what I do? I think we live in a world that there's a lot of talk and people have really come to the conclusion that talk is cheap. Don't just tell me, show me. I think the gospel gains credibility, not when we just talk about it, but we actually do it. And it's not just about doing, but it's about finishing what God has given us. He's saying, well done. In other words, your assignment, you completed. The the, the task in front of you, you didn't just start it, but you finished it. How many of you have discovered that feelings will help you start things, but they don't help you finish things? Have you ever started something because you were feeling it? I had a feeling, man. I'm making a decision. Here's what I'm going to do. And the feelings were there to help you start it, but then those feelings disappeared. Dieting. <laughs> Say, Mike, that's not fair. You talk about Chick-fil-A, now you talk about dieting. <laughs> How many of you have ever, you, you, you were motivated to go on a diet, and you're probably motivated on a Sunday evening? right? Because you've just eaten trashy all weekend long. (laughs) Friday night, you blew it. Saturday night, I mean, by the time Sunday rolls around, you're motivated. You know what? I'm going to eat right. Guess what? Monday morning. You're motivated Sunday night. You're feeling it. Feelings help you start things, but they don't help you finish things too well. Then Monday rolls around, and the first time that hunger pain hits, well, I kind of modify that diet a little bit. How many ever kind of rationalized, maybe negotiated some things? It works with diet. It works with exercise. Exercise is the same way. Uh, you know, there are days, you know, before I go to bed, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to set my alarm early. I'm getting up early, getting up early, and I'm going to run two miles before. I'm going to run in this, because ne- you saw somebody running in your neighborhood, and you think, man, I need to do that. And so before you go to bed, you get your shoes out and your shorts and your T-shirt. You got your gear ready. You're motivated the night before, but then that alarm hits. How many know it's easy to lose motivation? (laughs) Feelings help us start things, but rarely do they help us finish things. That's why you can't just build relationships on feelings. You can start a relationship based on how you feel, but when that feeling's gone, when you can't find the feeling. How many know feelings will help you start things, but faith will help you finish things? How many of you want to complete the things that you start? Nobody? (laughs) July 27th, 1996. 
I've been married 20 years. July the 27th, 1996, walked down the, uh, this girl walked down that altar, met me there in front of that pastor. We held hands. I pledged my life to her. I said, for richer, for poor, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. But how many know on July 27th, there was a whole lot of feelings? Woo! In fact, a man in this church, you know, we were so poor, we were young and in love, but it, he used his frequent flyer miles to fly us to the Bahamas. Come on, how many of you feeling that right now? Oh, yes. And man, four or five days just chilling at the beach, at the pool. Feelings, man. We started with great feelings, but can I tell you this? Marriage is not the Bahamas. You know what marriage is? Prairieville. <laughs> now, wait now. I, I'm not hating on Peeville, okay? I live in Ascension Parish. Prairieville, for me, marriage is about folding clothes. It's about washing dishes. It's about taking care of kids. It's about getting homework done. Come on, can anybody identify? If I just base my relationship on the feeling, how many of you know that it'd be easy when the Bahamas are gone? Woo, okay, what's next? No, 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 no. We made a commitment. I'll tell you this. Feelings don't keep commitments. Decisions do. And if we're going to finish what we've started, we can't buy into the lie that a feeling is going to help me get it done. Can I tell you this? You're going to have to get it done even when you don't feel like it. Turn your neighbor and say, that's good preaching right there. One of my favorite prayers that Jesus prays is in John 17, and he's, he's offering himself to the Father. The whole chapter is beautiful, but I love verse 4. In John 17, verse 4, this is what he said. He said, Lord, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing. Somebody say completing. By completing the work you gave me to do. He said, God, the assignment that you gave me here, I brought glory. I'm going to tell you what brings glory to God. Finishing what we start. Following through on our commitments. Even when feelings aren't there, we bring glory to God when we finish the task that he's given us. I'll tell you this. If we'll make a commitment to finish strong, then we start that next chapter. We can start strong. I'm so glad when God, as Jesus is hanging on the cross... He said these words. He said, Lord, it is finished. Aren't you thankful that God didn't do anything halfway? That Jesus finished his assignment. And he didn't just go to the cross and die on the cross and be buried in a tomb. But three days later, come on somebody. Three days later, and we sang about it today. And that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it now dwells inside of you. And because Jesus finished his assignment, guess what? You and I can finish ours. And we don't do it in our own strength, but we do it in the strength of God's spirit. Stand before him. I want to hear him say, well done, good. Everybody say good. Now, this word literally means to add value. When you're committed to do good, you add value to people. You add value to environments. You add value. Things get better when you're involved. Here's what we need to understand about God. The very character and nature of God is good. That's who he is. In fact, his character is good, and it's in his nature 
to bless. Do you know that God has been good to you and it's not based on you, but it's based on him? It's not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. And if God, by his nature, is good, when he lives inside of us, guess what? That spirit steps into environment and things get better. People get better. Systems get better. I think you and I, as ambassadors of a good God, have a chance to add a whole lot of value to people, to places, and to things. God's nature is good. It's his desire to bless. Anything that God ever got involved in, it got better. Don't you consider that? Anything you allow God to be a part of, and sometimes we compartmentalize our lives. Sometimes we have this church portion of our life, but God doesn't want to just be hung up in the closet of church. He wants to go with us Monday, Tuesday. When He wants to be a part of every part of our thinking, of our relationships, of our experience. Whatever you invite God to be a part of, it gets better. Can I tell you this? You can do good even when your situation is not good. Yeah, I need to say that again. I want you to hear this. Because sometimes we, our good is limited to our experience, our situation. Some of you are here today and maybe you're not in a good place. Don't let that limit you from doing good things. You can be in a tough spot. You can be in a bad place. And you can still make a commitment to do good. In fact, Ephesians 2, verse 10, I love how the Apostle Paul says this. He says, for we are God's handiwork. One translation says we are God's workmanship. Another translation says we are God's masterpiece. Now, notice what he says. We are created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do what? To do good work. In other words, the very purpose for us being created and placed here on the earth is to do good works which God has, has prepared in advance for us to do. You see, part of understanding our purpose and our assignment in the earth is recognizing that God has placed us here as ambassadors of him. Remember, his character and nature, it's good and it's to bless. Once we realize that, our assignment is we can do good and we can be a blessing. Does that make sense? You can do good even when your situation is not good. And here's, on the heels of that, let me say this. And here's why this is so important. Because people associate good works with a good God. Now, let me be careful to say I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about a salvation by works. Works do not save us. The work that Jesus did on the cross, the completed work of Christ on Calvary is what saves us. We don't do good works to be saved. We do good works because we already are saved. Because we're in Christ, now we say, wait a second, I've got, I've got a responsibility to do good. And when we bless others, when we're kind to others, then it's amazing how the gospel door is thrown wide open because people associate good works with a good God. I think the most powerful expression of evangelism is not necessarily what happens in here on a Sunday. You say, well, Mike, you're the preacher. You're the evangelist. You've got to give the gospel. And that's true. But do you know each and every day you have an opportunity to give the gospel at your workplace, in your schools, in the marketplace, in the community, simply by reflecting the goodness of God. 
You know, if it's in your power to bless, you need to do it. Whatever opportunity you have to bless someone else, if it's within your power, if you have an opportunity, you need to do good. I know some people say, well, you know, I'm just not quite sure. I got to pray about it. Have you ever been, maybe been uh, eating lunch somewhere, you've been at a restaurant and you see somebody and you feel a little tug on your heart like, you know, maybe am I, maybe I should just bless them. Maybe I should just pay for their meal. And you kind of go through this, you know, this conversation in your head. Lord, I'm not really sure if that's you. Um, <laughs> can I help us out a little bit? I think it's safe to say that the devil would never tempt you to be generous with your resource and buy somebody else's meal. Okay, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm not trying to play God in anybody's life. But I want to just clear some things up because sometimes it gets a little fuzzy, doesn't it? Lord, just give me a sign. Just, just give me a sign. If you give me a sign, I got to know that this is really, that it's, that it's really you. And if you'll just confirm it, this sign, then, I, then I'll know that I'm, I could, then I maybe should bless, bless that person with a meal. I just need a sign. And then you hear like two trumpet blasts and you see three angels and the bushes outside are on fire. Lord, I just need a sign. Anything will do. It's like, hello, hello. That's not the devil telling you to give. You say, but Mike, wait a second. That, that might be my flesh. It, it just might. Hmm. It might not be the devil. Okay, you've settled that one for me. But it might be just my own flesh. Okay. Another thought. Just a rule of thumb. How can I say this? If, if, if you're going to make a mistake... Err on the side of generosity. Because even if it is your flesh, which I doubt it, because there ain't nothing generous about your flesh. Your flesh and my flesh is stingy. That spirit of generosity, that's a Jesus thing. That's the Holy Spirit kind of working inside of it. And even if you miss it, if I'm going to make a mistake, let me err on the side of generosity because what I'm doing now, I am planting a seed in them. I am sowing something into them that I know, I know it's going to grow in my own life. I'm going to reap what I sow. That is a biblical law. Can I have a better amen? And so if I make a mistake, let me err on the side of giving because what I'm doing today, I'm creating my future for tomorrow. I'm thinking there are powerful moments if we can just lean in. Lord, you've been good to me. And God, because you've been good, now I have a responsibility to be good to somebody else. It's called blessed to be a blessing. How many of you know God will bless you? Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I didn't even say this in the morning service. Check this out. God will bless you not to raise your standard of living, but to raise your standard of giving. God brings increase to you and me so that we can be positioned to be even more generous to others. Because what I'm doing today, I am creating my tomorrow. Well done, good. Here's what Paul said in Romans 12, 21. Don't let evil conquer you, but instead I'm going to tell you how to conquer evil. Here's how you defeat darkness. Don't be overcome by evil. Instead, conquer evil by doing what? By doing what? 
You know what that tells me? Check this out. Light is always greater than darkness. That love is more powerful than hate. That the truth can penetrate any lie and good is always stronger than evil. I think you need to be encouraged by this because we live in some difficult, dark days. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll get really discouraged and we'll get depressed because we see darkness all around us. And God says, no, 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 no. You just keep shining your light. You keep doing good and watch good things grow inside of you. Are you catching this? Everybody say, well, done, good. Now say faithful. Oh, I got to hustle. I got to hustle. Faithful. It literally means to be full of faith. It means to be fully persuaded. It means to be loyal, to be committed, to be responsible. Oh, I pray that in God's final verdict of my life, again, he didn't say successful. He didn't say well done, good, and successful. He said well done, good, and faithful. I believe that if we focus on faithful God will take care of successful. You know, the other day, I'm going to ask the band to come up. The other day, I was sitting in my favorite chair. How many have a favorite chair at your house? Oh, it's my go-to. I love it. My kids, if they're in my favorite chair, when daddy walks in the room, time to get up. I sit in my favorite chair, and I pulled out my Bible, and I was reading th- through my one-year Bible, and I actually, I was playing a little catch-up. That's a few days behind. So I was re- sitting in my favorite chair, reading my Bible, and you know what happened? I fell straight asleep. <laughs> and some of you were like, Pastor? You're supposed to be the man of God. I mean, God doesn't just, with a booming voice, every time you open the scriptures, God doesn't just, I mean, he's not sitting there next to you, visiting with you. No, I'm telling you, I got very comfortable in that chair. Began to, how many of you, when you just get still, it doesn't take much, but you just get still and your body just starts to, hmm, yes, I was out. I'm telling you, I don't remember what, I started going cross-eyed trying to read and then fell straight asleep and woke myself up snoring. <laughs> now, don't look at me all religious. How many of you have ever done that yourself? I'm not as passed out. <sighs> yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Rachel, I got some revelation. Check this out. I was thankful nobody was in the room. I was so embarrassed. I can't believe I fell asleep on God. And I thought, you know what? I am so thankful that when it comes to God's promises, he has never fallen asleep on me. That everything he's promised me in his word, not only did he write it, but he put his name to it. And all of his promises. Well, listen, it's it's good to talk about faithfulness toward God when you consider how faithful he has been to you. I mean, think about it. Good days, bad days. Man, seasons of plenty seasons where you feel like you've got very little and God has given us a promise in his word and he's spoken I'm telling you this God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent but if he says it he'll do it and if he's spoken it he will make it good Bible says that all of the promises of God are backed by the honor of his name Psalm 138 verse 2 I love it God has been so faithful to me And when I think about how faithful he's been to me, it just brings out a desire inside of me. Lord, I know I may not be perfect. 
God, I know I may make a lot of mistakes along the way, but one day I want to stand before you and I want to hear you say, son, well done, good and faithful servant. Servant. You know what it means to serve? When you're a servant, you're relinquishing your rights. I want you to consider this. Last thought. A servant is someone who belongs to another. And they no longer maintain the rights of personal ownership. When we say servant, I want you to consider this. We have given up our rights to the Lord and say, you know what? I don't belong to myself. God, I belong to you. Now, every hope, every dream, every desire, Lord, I lay that at your feet. And whatever you want for me, God, that's what I want for myself. God, whatever you require of me, I humble myself before you. I am a servant. Now, here's what you need to know. Everybody wants to be called a servant, but nobody wants to be treated like one. Come on now. Lord, I want to serve. I want to serve. I want to serve. He said, okay, well, what you're saying then is if you're a servant, then I am Lord. I am master. If you'll trust me, if you'll surrender to me. Tell you what, most men are chasing titles, but Jesus is handing out towels. A lot of people are trying to climb a ladder and go higher, and God's saying, no, 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 no. If you'll just descend, the greatest among you want to be great, be a servant. You want to be first, be the slave. Jesus said, for even the Son of Man, Mark chapter 10, for even I, the Son of Man, I didn't come to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. Tell you something about a servant. A servant is entitled to nothing, but willing to do anything. And that's the beauty of it. When you stand before God, I'm telling you, we're not going to have any resume. We're not going to have any accomplishments. The Bible says every trophy, every award, every honor, we will lay at his feet. And the highest honor that we could ever receive from God are these five words. High five. Well done. Good, faithful servant. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.